The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy is here. I am here. Uh, just going to give everybody a heads up. We're going to do Tommy this week, today, and Wednesday. Tomorrow on the show, Howard Gutman's going to be on, but not for the reasons that you think. Howard has some IMBD credits. Is that what it is, IMBD? The, the um, film, you know, uh, Hollywood list. Is it IMBD or DB? I don't know. Um, you know what I'm talking about, I think Tommy? It's BD. Yeah, I have some credits. Well, you have the wire credit, right? It, no, but that's not. That's not. I have credits for appearing in certain documentaries. Okay. Well, I don't know that you have that you are good friends with George Clooney, and Howard informed me that he was. And the reason Howard informed me that he was is that he's also good friends with Tim Robbins, and I had mentioned that Tim Robbins was excellent in Silo, and he's watching Silo and likes it as well. So Howard Gutman's going to be on with us tomorrow okay. and okay. talk about all Let's of his stop. IMDB credits or IMBD credits, however it, it, it you know is the right way to say it. Let's stop right here and now. Oh, boy, God. What, Let me hold on. Hold I, I want to walk. Let's walk into Tommy's office where there are Emmys throughout the office. Go ahead. Tell me about all the awards you've won you for think, all of your acting. You know, you, you, you can't even read the road I'm about to travel okay. on. Well, you let think me, uh, you can. Well, I usually get it right. Uh, I'll, I'll take a loss here sure. if, if it's true. Because it's a road that you know I've been paving for a long time, mm-hmm. and you have chosen to ignore it. I obviously. can't help you. You can call Howard. Howard might be able to help you. I don't you. know Howard. What do you mean you don't know Howard? I don't know him. Well, what do you mean? He knows you. We've had him on the but show many times I've together. Spoke. I've cool. never spoke to him. I've never met him. Well, we've certainly had him on this podcast, the three of us together, a couple of times. Once. Once. Well, then you know him. I don't know him. All right. I'll make the introduction formally then to Howard Gutman. Okay. And, and let's see what if Howard can help about? you out. You're talking about the, the you want you want somebody to read your, your script or your screenplay or whatever you've written. You want to get yes. it in front of the right person. Yes. Yeah, see, you Tim didn't, you didn't, read, you didn't read the path very well. You just assumed I didn't know what I that you what uh, you were talking about, but I knew once you started on Howard Gutman and not knowing him, I knew where to follow. Um, okay. So, can I finish the tease for tomorrow's show? Is that did you have to get in the middle of that? 
Howard Gutman <laughs> tomorrow talking about all the movies he's been in, all the famous Hollywood stars that he knows very well. And tomorrow on the show also, I will ask Howard if he will have if he'll take a meeting with Tommy about Tommy's screenplay that he's written. And then I'll connect the two of you via text if that's okay. Okay. That works fine. And you know, for that, uh, maybe it'll be a finder's fee in for you for you, or a little bit of credit. I don't like, like associate associate producer or something. Let me just tell you something. I don't need the credit and I wouldn't want the credit. I would want you to succeed with this. That would You know what? You know how I would benefit by you being on this podcast and being my friend. Um, speaking of people uh, who are friends, a lot of you are friends out there. You write very nice reviews, and you rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. Keep them coming. This is from someone in Japan. Um, the spelling of the name is in Japanese. I cannot read it. Probably one of the few listeners you have from Japan, Kevin-san, Tom-san, you are the best. Well, thank you. Um, from uh, Japan, uh, it's actually, I think we have many listeners in Japan. When I say many, I could find out exactly the number we have. Um, Japan doesn't recently, it doesn't typically rate super high on the outside of the U.S. list. The U.K. is number one for us outside of the U.S. And then, as I've told you before, we're very popular um, in places. Hold on, I'll pull up the list right now where we're ranking like very Like Bermuda, high. right? Bermuda's always up there. Ha- haven't That's we true. been recognized in Bermuda um, we with are, an award? Yeah, we've been recognized in Bermuda uh, with an award. Ah, you know where we're uh, climbing the charts in the football county, uh, category? Saudi Arabia. Um, we're all the way up to the number 17 football po- podcast in Saudi Arabia. Now, I wonder where we are in Qatar. Let me see if we've made the list in Cutter since they recently invested in Monumental. Uh, by the way, yes. you know, in the top, you know, in the top twenty-five of human rights violators uh, on the planet, not at the top of the list. Yes, um, but they are in the but top twenty-five. I tell you what, if, if there are certain things that you can do in the United <laughs> States that you would be put in jail for in Cutter, oh, or worse, or much worse. Yes, but I did, yes. you know. With the, uh, you know, you probably got some of this too. I got a lot of outrage about not being outraged about the investment from the Cutter Investment Fund, the $200 million for um, basically 5% of Monumental. So I did pull up one of those human rights um, violator uh, lists by country. Um, And look, Cutter's, Cutter's like in the middle of the list. They're like top 25, top 30. In, in countries, uh, you know, typically, number one on everybody's list, I would have thought would have been, based on recent conversation, I actually would have thought Saudi Arabia would have been super high on the list. And I certainly would have considered North Korea to be really high on the list and China to be high on the list. Yemen is pretty much number one on every list that I looked up, followed by Iran. And then China, Egypt, Syria, I can only imagine, North Korea. There are a lot of African nations um, on this list. And Saudi Arabia is pretty high on the list. But Qatar, or Qatar, um, is, you know, down the list a ways. But yes, you can't do things in Qatar that you can do here in the United States or in Norway. 
Norway, along with Finland and Iceland, a lot of the, not that Iceland's a Nordic country, but Finland, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, these are the countries that rank at the very bottom of the human rights violators list, if you're interested in that. Uh, I'd like to go to Nordic Europe. I've never been to any of those countries. Have you? I've never been to any of the Nordic countries either. Yeah. I've heard uh, Copenhagen is incredible um, to go to. It's considered, by the way, to be, I think, one of the... I think it's considered to be the friendliest nation in Europe, Denmark. Um, And Copenhagen, apparently a very beautiful city with beautiful people, I've heard. But I am going to Spain later this week, Tommy. Um, ahead of your Spain trip, you're going to summer in Spain. I'm just going there for a few days. Anyway, you're, 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 you're trying to one up me. <laughs> I'm trying to one up you. Yes. Anyway, thank you from Japan. Um, this also from Love It But Want More via Apple Podcast. Kevin Sheehan is incredibly interesting and talks about a lot of different things, which makes his show so fun to listen to. Thanks, love it, but want it more. He is by far the best local personality on the radio that gets the best guests. Cooley, Tommy, and Van Pelt are always money. I want everybody to understand Tommy is not a guest on this show. He's a co-host of this show. If I could afford him, he'd be a co-host even more than the two days a week that he's contracted (laughs) to do. Uh, Cooley's Breakdown is the best segment in radio. Um, love all of it. Uh, thank you uh, to all of you who rate us and review us on Apple and Spotify. And don't forget, please follow us on both platforms. That's really important. We rank high consistently on both platforms. I think we were like 14 or 13 this week on the Apple charts for the football category, which is incredibly high because basically every show ranked in front of us you know, on that list um, are shows that are, you know, a lot of the barstool sports uh, sports shows. Uh, they have multiple shows. The Athletics got their football show that's always ranked super high. But it's like barstool and no other local shows um, that generate locally and cover one market more than any other um, ranks typically um, higher than ours. Hey, there's a Philadelphia show that does well. There's a Minneapolis show, believe it or not, that does well. Um, but anyway, thanks to all of you that that do that. That really helps us and continues to help us. And we're coming up to you know a time of the year before football season where we are trying to generate um, you know uh, fourth quarter buys on advertising. So the more you rate and review us and follow us the better. Tommy made me aware of something before we started to record today. He said, are we going to talk about Carson Wentz? And I said, "Uh, sure. What are we going to talk about? And Tommy pointed me to this very controversial, apparently. Carson Wentz is being crucified for putting out a picture of him um, standing over or sitting over a huge, beautiful black bear that he shot and killed in Alaska. Now, Tommy, was this on Instagram? I'm assuming this was on Instagram. I believe so. Yes, it was. And he um, said that this was a bucket list item for him when he hunted this black bear. And people are killing him for it. So, 
I mean, I haven't read up on this, but let me just tell you my immediate reaction. God, the bear is beautiful and they are beautiful animals. And the picture, I can totally understand why people would be moved to be negative about this. But this is, from what I can tell, part of a legal Alaska bear hunt to keep the population probably thin to a number that makes it better for the black bear population. That's what a lot of these designated hunts are. I'm not a hunter, Tommy, but my father-in-law and brother-in-law, and by the way, my oldest son, are. And so I have great respect for the sport. I've never hunted. I've skeet shooted many times before, and it's fun to do that. I've never hunted. I've never had a big desire, to be honest with you, to go hunting. And this is a beautiful animal that he killed. But I have no problem, and I'm not, and I am not triggered or upset by that. Now, I don't know if it makes good sense to put that picture out, but if if you don't want, you know, a a very passionate response, probably both ways. I haven't read all the responses. Maybe you have. But anyway, that's my response to it. What's yours? Well, my first response was, look, I'm not a hunter. And it's funny because when we moved from Brooklyn, New York, where the only thing you hunted were roaches and rats, uh, to the Poconos, uh, I would, all my friends who I went to school with, they hunted. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was part of the culture sure. up in the mountains up there. Yeah, and actually, the, the first day of deer hunting, which was the Monday after Thanksgiving. Oh my God! We had off from school that day. Oh yeah, that, that's the way it is still. I think in a lot of areas of the country, the beginning of deer season yeah. is is massive. Yeah. So so uh, and uh, but I never went hunting. Uh, I I went hunting with my my ex brother in law. When I was young, he took me hunting with him, small game hunting, you know, like shooting squirrels and rabbits and stuff like that. So, and uh, I thought it was kind of cool, but I never did it myself. And I I mean, I I don't like hunting, you know, I'd rather it didn't have to happen. I mean, I don't like the idea of shooting defenseless animals, but I mean, it's legal, it's a legal thing. Well, it's legal for I good mean, you reasons, too. They have bear too. hunting in Maryland for like a week. Yeah. And, and uh, look, I don't, I, I'm not going to profess to know much about this, but it's legal for good reasons and for reasons that are good for the population of these animals. You know, so I, I'm, again, I'm not an expert, but I do understand, and I've had so many conversations, I have no problem with hunters at all. I mean, I, I've never had the major desire, although there's something that seems very peaceful about it, because my father-in-law always talks about their, you know, some of those fall days out in the middle of, you know, uh, out in the middle of a forest with just beautiful smells and sounds and just sitting there in a, in a, in a, in a stand, you know, and he always would say, I actually hope I don't see a deer cause I'm getting, he would just read a book all day long. Um, but, uh, the, I, I think I don't look, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to sit here and try to be an expert, but I can imagine that this particular picture, picture, which is this beautiful, huge, by the way, black bear that he's um, standing over. By the way, that's not, um, that's, is that Bo? 
That's not that's not rifle. Did he bow this or did Is he right or did he shoot did I he don't rifle? Know. That looks more like a I don't bow think he, to me. I don't think it was bow and arrow. That's what it looks like to me. Um but anyway, so he's being crushed, you 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 told me before. Yes. Yeah, and I that's I'm, I'm I, it's not something I would crush him about. I have a lot of friends. This is not this is not a dividing line for me hunting. I mean, because I know too many people that hunt. Uh, it's not. I mean, I grew up with that culture, but it's not part of my life. And again, it's a legal practice. You yeah. know, it's a regulated legal practice. So I, I, I don't get the outrage. I really wasn't that outraged well, at the picture, to be honest with you. It's it it it's, uh, it. There's an outrage because people don't understand. They're ignorant to why. Many of these controlled hunts, in particular, are important to the well, ecosystem. Maybe if a couple to of black what... bears show, show up in their uh, <laughs> yards in, in, in Bethesda or Rockville, maybe they'll understand. Tommy, there was a black bear in Northeast DC last week or, or we, two weeks ago. No, I know, I know. There was one in Rockville recently. I mean. The population is, you know, the black bear population in Western Maryland and Garrett County has always been, and they do have, and I know this because I've spent time, you know, up at Deep Creek Lake and around in that area. Um, They have a designated, I think it's a, I don't know, a two-day or a three-day black bear hunt. They need to. They need to keep the population. six days. Is it six days? Okay. Six days in Allegheny, Frederick, Garrett, and Washington counties. Oh, I I think that this reaction is because this bear really, this picture of this bear with Carson Wentz, by the way, I mean, I'm surprised he hit it. Um, Carson Carson (laughs) Wentz standing over this beautiful animal. It really is a beautiful looking animal. Now, it wouldn't be beautiful if it were hungry and it were in your backyard. That's for sure, because it would tear your face off in three seconds. Um, you know, yeah, as I understand it, in my limited knowledge, black bears will attack you. Brown oh. bears, not so much, I don't think. But uh, black bears will, will rip you apart. So, so Cooley... Well, they won't eat you. Grizzly bears will eat you. Well, polar bears will eat you, I think. So, uh, But... Uh, it, Black bears you want to stay away from. Oh, yeah. And, and look, the bottom line is you want to stay away from any of those animals when they're near their young. I mean, that's usually, yeah. I, I believe that to be true, that you just don't want to, you know, stumble up, uh, upon, you know, their cubs. Then you're in big trouble. But um, so I think I've talked about this, that Cooley is coaching wrestling out in Wyoming. He, he's he been on the show. He's talked about it, of course. What am I talking about? So it, many of you have actually heard this story, but Cooley is coaching uh, junior college wrestling. Um, and the program that he's coaching is actually a top 10 junior college wrestling program. Chris was one of 
the the top recruits in the country in wrestling his senior year in high school, Tommy. He got recruited by every major powerhouse, Iowa, Penn State, all of them. He was a state champion, wasn't he? Yeah, state champion? yeah he was a, you know, he finished very high nationally, and he was a super high wrestling, he was a much higher uh, wrestling recruit than he was a football recruit. But he ended up going to Utah State to play football. But two of his wrestlers at this junior college, we've, we've talked, we talked about this a while ago, um, were attacked by two black bears on a hike last fall, I think it was. I'm looking. I'm trying to find the story right now. It was either in Cody or Powell, Wyoming. Um, here it is. I remember the story. I mean, I think Sports Illustrated did a big exactly. story about it. Exactly. Yeah, I remember that. Two Wyoming. That was brutal. This was in October of last fall, October 18th, 2022. Two Wyoming college wrestlers, both of these uh, young men, Cooley now coaches, uh, and knows very well. Two Wyoming college wrestlers have been seriously injured when they were ambushed in a gruesome attack. Oh, these were grizzly bears. This was a grizzly oh, bear, okay. excuse me, a grizzly bear. Okay. Um, the incident occurred in Cody, Wyoming, when the two men encountered the bear at close range while they were in heavy cover. Um, one of the men said he jumped on the grizzly to try to get him off of his friend. I grabbed and yanked him hard by the ear. Uh, I could hear when his teeth when his teeth would hit my skull. I could feel uh, I could feel when he'd bite down on my bones and they'd kind of crunch. The two men were somehow able to break free from the attack, called nine one one, which elicited an immediate response. Um, they both survived. Um, one, yeah. the guy that tried to save his friend was the one that was injured the worst. Anyway, okay. Well, yesterday. Uh, I'm glad I didn't run up at, into any bears because I was up in the mountains here in Frederick County yesterday. What were you doing? Well, uh, let me preface this by saying that uh, don't take this personally. That uh, it, it was like a capacity event, and there were I, I, had, I was limited. Okay, you were on what? the guest list. Hold on, say say this again. I'm not following. Okay. Just don't take this personally as I describe my day. You don't want me to take it personally? Yes. Okay. Do. I'm talking to you. Okay, got it. I didn't know what you were doing. Okay, yes, go ahead. Uh, I was at Gambrel State Park yesterday uh, at know, the tea room. I know where it is. You know where the tea room is? Well, isn't that in Thurmont? No, the Gambrel State Park is is the 40 West, just west of Frederick. Okay, got it. And uh, at the top of the mountain, they have these viewing areas, and they also have an old, big, like, hall that was built during the Depression under the, you know, Conservation Corps programs that uh, the government had at the time. And it's a beautiful building with an unbelievable view on its back deck but it was built like in the 30s Mm -hmm. but it's been all fixed up and the state of maryland rents it out for weddings and parties and things like that uh so uh yesterday liz and i had our 45th wedding anniversary party at the tea room Oh, so I wasn't invited to your 45th anniversary party so this is what you don't want me to take personally okay how many right. how but many people a, i know were invited 
Well, nobody you know were, were invited, <laughs> okay? You know? Yes. Nobody, you know, you, there was nobody for you there to talk to okay. besides. Well, I couldn't have gone okay. anyway because we were, you know, we, we spent, uh, you know, a beautiful weekend, actually a great wedding at CJ's wedding. CJ got married uh, this right. weekend. That's right. And we had a, a blast there. I, don't take it personally that you weren't invited. So go ahead. Continue. That's okay. <laughs> so uh, uh, back in February, we we're in Florida and our wedding, our wedding anniversary is January 7th. Uh-huh. We got married in January. And, uh, you know, we're in Florida, and uh, we say, you know, we never really get to celebrate it except, like, just among ourselves. Uh, but uh, so we said, why not have a 45th and a half uh, anniversary party? And Liz just suggested it, and then she forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I made calls. I, I booked the, the room, which is hard to get. Uh, I, I booked the room back in early February for June 25th, and... Uh, Surprisingly, very, very cheap. Uh, the problem is getting the room itself. It's, it's, it's in demand, but the price is not expensive. And uh, I booked my favorite band, King Soul. Oh, wow. To play at this thing. That's awesome. I'm looking at a so video a of the place ba- right now. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Oh, and we had a live band. Views, beautiful. We, we had about... We had about 50 to 55 people there. 50 the to band. 55? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Hold on, everybody. Liz has seven, that's the that's Liz the title of the pl- show. Sheehan's not even in Lavero's top fifty. <laughs> or five. Fifty-five. <laughs> Liz has seven brothers and sisters <laughs> with a lot of a lot of kids, okay. you know? Uh-huh. The big family. It doesn't add up to fifty five, but continue. And uh and we we uh you know, we we set the whole thing up with help from uh, my brother-in-law and Liz's sister and my son Rocco and Andy, and uh, it was just uh, it, it was a great day. It couldn't have been any better. We had unbelievable weather. Uh, it was a beautiful day. We had put we had bought these like tents, eight by ten tents. and put them out on the back deck with tables under them so people would be in the shade. And we we had a you know it was catered by a local barbecue company, uh, and it was just a great day. It was a great event, and if if we could have invited you, we would have really. Let me ask you a question: Did it ever come up in conversation about inviting me and Kara? Well, conversation was uh, well. Here's part of the thing: it was a surprise to, for Liz until about a month ago. Okay. Um, then I told her about it. During that month when the uh, guest list was still perhaps being finalized before the invitations went out, were we even considered? <laughs> what do you think the answer is, buddy? <laughs> ah, I love it. It's perfect. We were, we were trying to cut back the list. Let me, let, me, let me just tell you something. We would have come. Just so you know, we would have absolutely come. I would have made sure that we didn't miss this at the Tea Room in Gambrel State Park in Frederick County. By the way, it does look beautiful on the video. Um, because yeah. these are the, you know, the uh, Catoctin Mountains. Tommy, yes. I did not, you know, by the way, it was a good day. How, how long did the party last? Well, it lasted from 1 to 5. The band played from 2 to 4. 
food was served from 1.30 to 3.30. Everything went right. Nothing went. The only thing that went wrong is in the rafters, and it's got real high rafters where the band was playing. There was a snake hanging out. What kind a of big snake? snake? What kind of snake? We're not sure. Rat snake, maybe. Yeah, those rat snakes are big. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, everyone was worried about it dropping down at some point. Did you, know? did you at any <laughs> the band? Did you at any point get up and sing with the band? Well, here's I, here's the thing. You know, I've sang with King Soul before mm-hmm. uh, at the benefit fundraiser they did for the DC Grays a few years right. ago, uh, and uh, we were dancing to the song that I sang with them to, and I had told Tom Clifford, you know, the the leader, the singer in the band, saying, "No, I, I don't really want to sing." this time you know because i'm always because it's not karaoke there's no there's no set of words in front of you right you got to remember the lyrics yeah okay and i was always worried about forgetting the lyrics i wasn't worried about how good i would sound you know that (laughs) i know you wouldn't (laughs) be worried about that okay uh but at one point while tom was doing this song Mm -hmm. he reached over the microphone to me putting it in front of me and kind of putting me on the spot uh, so I sang the rest of the song, oh, and I, luckily I remembered all the lyrics. And uh, you know, it's like every time I sing, it was a big hit. Yeah, of course it was. Um, so real quickly, so I've never, as I mentioned, I've never hunted before, but I did grow up fly fishing, trout fly fishing, because my father, even to this day, is still a big fisherman. My father hunted too, but fishing was more. His thing, and so in Maryland, the place um, in Frederick County to trout fish is Hunting Creek, which is in that Cunningham. It's called Cunningham State, Cunningham, Cunningham Falls, Falls State Park. <clears throat> exactly, and so yeah. we would, you know, as a kid, I mean, I can't tell you how many mornings we were up as, during the summer. And we were up at 4.30, and we were going up to fish for a few hours, then come back so he could go to work. But um, it was a great area. That was in Thurmont, Maryland. Um, yes. And, uh, yeah, it's up, up Route 15, it, a few miles north of where we are here. Right, which is where, by the way, Camp David is. Camp David is in that general area, although it's – I could be wrong about this. I don't think that – Anybody knows how, other than, you know, the president and the, the, the people affiliated with the White House, I, I don't know that anybody, you know, could actually find Camp David. I can tell you it's somewhere off of Route 15. You know, go, yes, it is. those of you that have taken we 15 north to, you know, to Mount St. Mary's and then into Harrisburg, PA, et cetera, um, you drive right, you know, by... Uh, that whole area where um, where Camp David is. We went searching for Camp David one day, and I think we found it in a deeply wooded area. There was uh, a barbed wire fence mm-hmm. uh, through the woods. So we we came to the assumption that that was based on where we were. That we thought that was Camp David. Yeah. There was nothing else to indicate that it would have been, but. Uh, and I don't think we could find. I don't know if we could find it again. I don't remember how we did it. Yeah, it was just happenstance I, while we were driving around on. The I'm mountain. actually pulling up a map right now to see if it's actually listed on a map anywhere. I would bet that it's not. Um, well, here it is. 
And by the way, it's right where we said it was. You know, it's just northwest of Thurmont, of downtown Thurmont, in that area of Cunningham Falls State Park. And there, it, it is identified on the map. I'm sure it's, you know, obviously it's a highly secured area. And the president gets there by helicopter. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's beautiful catch and return. I would believe, I, I'm guessing that it's still catch and return trout streams in that area. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the, the fishing as you get further out West in the state, you know, we've talked about Maryland being one of these incredible States as small as it is having, you know, mountains and ski resorts and lakes, you know, to the West and then beaches to the East you know, with, by the way, the Chesapeake Bay before you actually get to uh, the eastern shore. But, um, yeah, lots of bears out in western Maryland. Well, let me wrapping up the story. Fly yeah. fishing for a, a minute. Okay. Uh, have you ever heard of Lefty Cray? No. Lefty Cray, K R E H, is from Fred- was from Frederick, Maryland. He passed away in 2018. Uh, he was like 90, 80 something years old, I think. Mm hmm. He's considered one of the most legendary fly fishermen in all all of America. Really, and he was from he was from Frederick, Maryland, and they're in the process of erecting a statue for him uh, in Baker Park in Frederick. It's all covered up, so you can't see it now. There's going to be an unveiling, but he wrote a book about fly fishing, and I think. Uh, Michael Keaton wrote the wrote the uh, forward. Michael Keaton is... was real good friends with Lefty Cray because Michael Keaton is a big fly fisherman. Huh? How about that? And Tom Brokaw, Duke uh, Lefty Cray was a big fly fisherman as well. So I mean, this is fly fi- you know fishing country, I guess, up here, and one of the greatest of all time. It's from Frederick. I bet you Howard Gutman knows Michael Keaton. <laughs> Maybe he knows Lefty Cray. Um, All right. Uh, There are some things that are sports-related that we do intend to get to. So we will start that process next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. 
We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This segment of the show is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com or MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC, for a chance to secure a first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. You have to use my promo code, KevinDC, to claim your bonus. Whether you're a diehard or a casual fan, simply put, there's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting with MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. And remember, you've got to use my promo code, KevinDC. Um, I actually want to, you know, off of that read of, of MyBookie, I actually want to, um, to ask you about something. Did you see the story involving... Um, Shams uh, Charania from The Athletic. Yes. Working for both FanDuel, FanDuel, right? Yeah, yes. Or DraftKings. No, FanDuel and for The Athletic. Um, as yeah. Okay, so let me just, because uh, I do want your reaction. Your reaction is actually um, uh, one in which, you know, is a true media reporter perspective. So Shams Charania from The Athletic, which, by the way, is owned by, by The New York Times, is one of... You know, along with Woj, um, Adrian Wojnarowski, one of the top two reporters covering the NBA breaks. You know, he's the he's like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter. You know, Schefter one, Rappaport two. I guess I don't know. There, Schefter's number one. I don't know if Rappaport's number two. Field Yates. You get a lot of them. You know, in the NFL, but he's basically one of the top. You know, he he's one of the gold standards for breaking news on the NBA. And he, the other night prior to the NBA draft, reported that the tea leaves were pointed towards, I'm I'm looking for the exact tweet, so give me a second here. I had it up. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but then it's just sort of, okay, okay. here it is. In baseball, the comparable would be Buster Olney or Ken Rosenthal. Exactly. So he tweeted out shortly before the draft on Thursday night that, um, Scoot Henderson, uh, who was along with you know Brandon Miller and Victor Wembanyama, you know considered to be the top three prospects in this draft. Wembanyama was always going one to San Antonio, and he tweeted out that Scoot Henderson was quote gaining serious momentum at number two with the Charlotte Hornets. Closed quote. That's what he tweeted out. So it comes from, you know, Shams Charania, and it's like, well, every basketball fan and every better knows that he's got the scoop here, that Scoot Henderson's going number two overall in this draft. Well, what happened was the odds shifted immediately based on that reporting. Now, some of you don't know this, but you can bet 
on almost anything these days. And you can certainly bet on who's going where in the draft. And prior to the Shams Charania report, the favorite to go number two was Brandon Miller from Alabama. But shortly after that report, Scoot Henderson became the favorite to go number two overall. On FanDuel, one of the country's prominent online sports books, Scoot Henderson's odds moved to minus 380 within 20 minutes of Chirania's report. All right? He was at plus 250 or somewhere around there before the report. Now, again, for those of you that don't know that what that means, minus 380 means you have to wager $380 to win 100 or $38 to win $10. You're that he became the heavy favorite to go number 2. Now, the problem with this is he didn't go number 2. Brandon Miller went number 2 from Alabama. He went to Charlotte at number two, and Scoot Henderson went to Portland at number three. Now, why is that important? Well, there was a lot of action on Scoot Henderson to go number two after the report. And so FanDuel and every other sports book where people were betting this particular prop bet lost money, and the house won. And you may say, well, maybe a lot of people bet on Brandon Miller once his odds went to plus whatever they were, plus 250. Well, not off of the reporting. The reporting typically is viewed as, that eh, looks like that's one of the two guys that you got to believe. Why am I going to put money on Brandon Miller now at plus 250 to go number two? I'm not. I'm going to put it on Scoot Henderson to go number two, laying 380. And so the... The dilemma and the controversy is is that Shams Charania not only works for The Athletic, where he reported that news, which is owned by the New York Times, but he also works on the FanDuel's television show as a paid contributor. So, uh, here were the statements from the various people uh, involved. Um, A FanDuel spokesman said, FanDuel is not privy to any news that Shams breaks on his platforms. Um, The New York Times spokesman said uh, that uh, Shams does not pick games or encourage people to gamble. He simply reports on news after reporting it first for The Athletic around injuries, trades, and transactions. So, um, your reaction to this is what? Well, let me just say that there was a time in, in our business where, I mean, this, this just would have been unconscionable. I mean, no one would have dreamed to allow something like this to happen. Okay, but that's in the 80s and the 90s when newspapers were printing money and news organizations were printing money, you know, at, at some point. I mean, basically, you could afford to have standards back then. There are none anymore. There's no more rules. Okay, look. Jay Glazer, who I, I like a lot and respect a lot, he trains NFL football players, and then he covers the NFL for Fox. Jay Glazer trains football players, really? I didn't trains know that. Trains football players. Okay. I, yes. I had no idea. You know, he's a mixed martial arts uh, specialist, uh-huh. and he trains football players how to use their leverage uh, on the field. I didn't know that. And he, he, look, he's not secret about it. 
he posts videos of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And like I said, I mean, but that, that never would have happened at one time. But there's no more standards when it comes to conflicts of interest. The New York Times, though, should be the one place where there should be a standard. Okay? Maybe the Washington Post, the New York Times, that's the short list of the two surviving news organizations that have enough weight to set standards. And, uh, you know, for the New York Times to allow something like this, it's wrong. I mean, you know, you're either, you're either a, news, a news reporter or you're, you're a news... I mean, when you're a news reporter like that, you're a news influencer. If what you write is going to have a direct influence on another company's bottom line that you also work for, then that's a conflict of interest. I mean, it is a conflict of interest, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like... Whether you think it should be or not, it is. I don't think that he reported that news with the... I, I don't know this, obviously, but my guess is that he didn't report that news to move the odds significantly no, so that but, but FanDuel could benefit or that it. he could benefit from it somehow. Um, but the, right. but but I, I do. When I read this over the weekend, I did say to myself, "Man, if I were in his position, just the pers- like, which, which is my primary job? Which is you know paying me the most? What which is the most important? I'm going to guess. Maybe I'm wrong. That his position with the athletic is his most important position and job. I would imagine, look, I know what Adam Schefter makes and Ian Rappaport makes. And I know the athletic is struggling at time, or has at various times before uh, being acquired by the, by the New York Times. And by the way, let me just mention, the athletic is a business partner of this podcast. And they've been very good, uh, a very good partner of this podcast. But that's that's on the, you know, the sales side. But anyway, um... I, if, if I were a reporter and that was my primary job, whether I was doing something, you know, even if I wasn't doing anything nefarious, you know, I was just doing my job and I just make appearances on this FanDuel television network, I would certainly, with my background of being a better, I would understand the perception that it would create. And I don't think that that would be healthy for me. So, no, it, 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 again, it's but, not intent. Yeah, it's it's the perception. But let me. But I don't think but, people perceive that there's rules even anymore. Well, I was just going to say, but just like by the way, at this point, you know, Saudi investments and sports washing and all of this stuff, people are you know, people move on from all of this stuff. There's just so much going on. If Fanduel was paying me a pretty penny to be a part of it, I would just continue to do it because I think most people understand or at least would come to the conclusion that I'm not out there reporting stuff for the purposes of moving odds, you know, because I did read as part of this story that um, he is not allowed in his deal with the athletic to bet on, you know, to to, to wager. This is interesting. Um, Hold on. I want to read specifically. um, Chirani is prohibited from opening FanDuel fantasy or sports betting accounts, the company said when it hired him last year. The, the, athletic, the athletic does not allow reporters, reporters to gamble at all on the sports they cover. So, um, yeah, I, 
I don't know how many actual customers are impacted by this. I think people inside understand the dilemma, the the lines that are being blurred and crossed here. But I don't know that ultimately his readers care one way or the other. Right. I mean that that. But the the New York Times should be the adult in the room still. I mean, there should still be a couple of adults in the room, and the New York Times should be one of them. But let me show you sometimes uh, about the New York Times when it comes to dealing with sports and their their idea of a conflict of interest. Uh, the New York Times used to own a piece of the Boston Red Sox back in the back in the early 2000s. Okay. Uh, they owned a, a percentage of the Boston Red Sox. So when the Boston Red Sox won the World Series in 2006, all the high-ranking New York Times officials got World Series rings. <laughs> that's just that's just shameful, shameful and embarrassing. And if I was a New York sports fan, well, if I was a New York sports yeah. fan, I would never read the New York that's, Times. That's the part you know? of it that would I'd be the, the most. Yeah, the Post and the Daily News. Right. So, well, the Post but, and the uh, Daily News have better sports sections anyway. But that's just absolutely shameful. But now we're in a day where the Boston Globe is literally owned by the guy who owns the Boston Red Sox, right. John Henry. Right. So it's, it's, it's conflict of interest. You know, the news organization should be ultimately responsible for deciding what's allowed. And it's a bad look for the New York Times, but I'm sure most people don't even know the Athletic and the New York Times are connected. No, you know. And and by the way, most people um, won't, well, I don't know if most people, most people won't even understand that Ted's company, Monumental, owns the Monumental, well, they're calling it the Monumental Sports Network, so they will know. Yeah. But most customers, most consumers of it, don't even think in terms of, well, then the coverage is going to be slanted. Um, you know, they're not going to be. I, I don't I don't think most people think that way. Eventually, it does impact the product. I'm not suggesting that it doesn't. You and I talked about that last week. And ultimately, the product better be good or you won't have viewers and then won't be able to, you know, somehow monetize the number of viewers. Although the regional sports networks are losing customers every day. Um Anyway, whatever. Yeah, you can't be, um, you can't, like, with, like, you're right about that. You, you, eventually, you have to put together a good and seemingly honest product. Because at some point, if you keep shoveling ice cream down your viewers' throats, when they're forced to eat shit otherwise, they're going to choke on it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's that... It's that thing in in our business that business that says content is king, and it's not content is king. Good content is king. Um, should be. Yeah, <laughs> it should be. Um, like this show. Okay. For instance. Like this show. So I, I wanted to talk about Bradley Beal here for a moment. So Brad did send um, a letter to DC uh, through. The Players' Tribune, which is the vehicle that a lot of players seem to say their goodbyes through. Um, Bradley Beal wrote, Dear DC, it wasn't easy to write this. It's been an amazing 11 years, and it's unreal to think that my time here has come to an end. You spend over a decade somewhere, and that place becomes more than just the team you play for. It becomes a part of you. And then he goes into... You know, the day that he was drafted was his birthday, his 19th birthday, and he talks about how, 
you know, he, he in his 11 years, he came in with a family that being, you know, brothers and um, and parents and and then, you know, he's leaving with a his own family, you know, wife and kids. And it's been a very important time for him. And he thanks everybody. You know, he thanks Ted. He thanks Ernie. He thanks Tommy. He thanks the coaches, Whitman, Brooks, and Unseld, and all of the assistant coaches. By the way, I did note that Sam Cassell was the first assistant assistant coach that he mentioned. And it, and it wasn't, I don't think, in alphabetical order. No, it wasn't. Um, Sam Cassell, I think, was very significant to uh, – to Brad and even to John when he was there uh, working um, with uh, with with Randy on their uh, early on in their careers. Anyway, he thanks everybody from the player development staff to the people that worked at, at Capital One Arena um, to Chris Miller, just lots of people. And and I'll just I'm not going to read the whole thing, um, but he just writes to everyone in D.C. It's bittersweet. I don't like how goodbye sounds. So let's just say. See you later. And then he writes in parentheses, we still got 160 to get, you never know. Now, what that's in reference to is he's 160 points short of Elvin Hayes' all-time scoring mark for for the franchise. Um, and so he's suggesting, who knows, maybe he'll come back and end, end his career here. And he writes, peace, bless, blessings, and prosperity to the city and fans. I hope you'll always consider me one of your own. So I got this tweet last week that I wanted to read on Bradley Beal because I thought it was um, – I thought he kind of nailed it. His name was Marshall on Twitter. There's not a single Wizards fan that misses Beal. Weirdest relationship between a fan base and a star player that I can remember. As the Wizards this weekend, Tommy, were tweeting out their goodbyes to Bradley Beal after the trade was made official – I mean, just read some of the uh, responses. They're like, they're so negative. Like, you know, this was the real Beal experience. Overhype, under-delivering. Uh, thank you for trading him, finally. Um, they'll be out by round two in Phoenix. Uh, there's a video, generational talent, but with like an emoji of like, oh boy, of him turning the ball over in the last few seconds in a game um, against Dallas, um, I, and I and I think I think I feel some of that. Uh, not 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 that I feel that way specifically, but I feel that people feel that way about Bradley Beal. And I actually took calls on the radio show this morning about you know why Beal's eleven year career, three time All Star, you know one time All NBA, second all time franchise scorer, why his tenure seems to be hard to describe and when people you know describe it at best they're indifferent they're apathetic at worst they're they're critical of it so what is Bradley Beal's legacy here well you know it's it's kind of interesting because uh and it's not the same because this guy won a championship and was truly a great player but he was never beloved here and that's Elvin Hayes I mean, he's your favorite. He's he's the guy but, that I think is the greatest player in franchise history. I do. Okay, but you're right. He okay. was not a fa- but, he was not a favorite of his teammates. He was a favorite of fans. No, I, was he? Yeah. O- over Bobby Dandridge and Wes. Oh I don't yeah. Think the, so. the Big E was the B- Big E was a force in this town in the '70s. I mean, every single time he got okay. the ball, the whole arena would chant E. But but his players look. Phil Chenier's told us the stories over the year about the years over the years about how difficult he was 
as a teammate. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a bad confidence. That's not what I meant, because we have no indication that Bradley Beal was difficult at all. No, not at all. Uh, no. But so, he wasn't uh, He wasn't uh, a leader. That would be a good comp with Elvin Hayes, because Wes, Wes was more the leader than Elvin was. Elvin was yes. self-absorbed. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think Beal was necessarily self-absorbed. I mean, look, I think most NBA players are probably self-absorbed. Uh yeah, Speaking I don't, from somebody who knows what it's like to be self-absorbed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Beal but, was that uh, but, but But describe his legacy. Yeah. Uh, it's attached to John Wall. You know, it's Wall and Beal. Wall and Beal. It's not just Beal by himself. Right? The, 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 two, the two close Eastern Conference semifinal series they played both involving Wall, actually Wall breaking his hand uh, in one of the in one of the series, and then the, I think the year after that, Wall running out of gas, you know, because he was used so much in the seventh game uh, against Boston. It's Wall that whatever run you think was of value, Beal was was a passenger in. By himself, he may not have a legacy. I think it all comes down to the contract. I think it's just the contract. And, you know, it's not his fault, but they overpaid Bradley Beal by miles, and everybody sensed that that was not the right thing to do. That he was a very good player, but he wasn't an elite player, and yet they paid him the second, at the time, the second largest contract in the history of the league. And he, on top of it, got this no-trade clause, which brought back, once they did get rid of him less than a year later last week, nothing in return, really, um, you know, as compared to what they could have gotten back had they had some vision and traded him at the right time. And I don't blame him for that, but I think that there's a recency bias on Beal, And the recency bias is this horrific contract, this no-trade clause, and the fact that they didn't get enough back for him. Um, And I think it's more than that, too. But I think that's why, like, the the, right now there's this feeling of good riddance because that's kind of what the feeling is. This is a guy that played here for 11 years and is the second all-time scorer in franchise history, second all-time in games played, second all-time in minutes played, the all-time three-point shooting um, uh, wizard slash bullet, but of course, you know, that's a more recent thing um, compared to the greatest players in franchise history like Wes and and Elvin. Um, Tommy, you can make the case, I could make the case, as a longtime Bullets Wizards fan, He's on your list of the top five greatest players in franchise history. It's Elvin or Wes, one or, you know, they're one, two in some order. Bobby D for me is three. And then four, it's a conversation. You know, I, by the way, I'm, I'm count. I'm talking about just in Washington. So it takes right. Earl Monroe and Gus right. Johnson. You're not talking Gus Johnson yeah. or Earl of Pearl. That's right. Um, so, and then it's, you know, a conversation of guys like John Wall, Bradley Beal, Jeff Malone. You know, if you want to talk Bernard King or Moses Malone, the limited times, you know, the limited uh, amount of time they were here. Um, 
uh, Phil Chenier, you know, but he's in that conversation. He's the second all-time scorer in, in franchise history, and yet his exit is being greeted with, at best, apathy, and at worst, good riddance. We didn't want you anyway. I think it's, it is a weird relationship, but I would chalk it up to the recent events of the last year, none of which are his fault. Now, somebody tried to make the case to me this morning. Look, he dictated that trade to Phoenix, and Phoenix had the least amount to offer. Again, not his fault. You know, here's a guy that wanted to stay here. You know, he's one of the few players uh, that has wanted to stay in Washington. And I don't think he really wanted to leave from from a living standpoint. I think he and his wife, who had, you know, her back and forths with people on Twitter, um... Uh, I think they liked living here. And look, this was a, by all accounts, a very classy, first-rate guy. Now, not a leader, okay? Not an alpha. John Wall was more the alpha on the team when they were together. And if he wasn't the alpha, then Nene was, or or or, or Riza was, or Paul Pierce was for that one year. Um, now, with that said... Like I said last week, I I was critical of Beal a lot over the last many years. I always felt like we could have gotten more from him. I never liked the way he defended so inconsistently, the ball handling and the turnovers that were so unnecessary on so many nights, the inability to close out games, especially regular season games. But at the same time, and I talked about this last week, some of his greatest moments – were in the biggest moments during the playoffs. I mean, he was phenomenal in that series when they swept Toronto. He was incredible when John went out with the hand injury against Atlanta. He scored 71 points in Game 6 and Game 7 against Boston. I mean, John Wall hit the big shot, but Beal was the best player in that game, in Game 6, and then had 38 in Game 7. Um, but anyway, uh, it's a we- it is a weird thing. It also speaks to just the disgust and the disdain that many have for the franchise in general. See, that's what it is. It's a byproduct of, of you know, having no, no more emotion to invest in a product that, uh, it, you know, has shown to be worthless for the investment. So uh, I, think, I think he's basically, this is part of the carryover uh, of, you know, the wizard's disease. Yeah. Yep, it is. And, you know, um, I, I, I'm not going to root against him. Like, I've seen, I've seen people tweeting, I hope he fails in Phoenix. Why? This is not a bad guy. John Wall was run out of here because of the injuries, yes, but because he was, you know, made a big mistake with a photo um, you know, flashing, you know, gang signs. Um, and John, I look, John was, John was at his best, a better player than Beal ever was. I I always kind of said Beal is like, you know, he's 20 plus, he's not 10 top 10 to 20. John Wall at one point at his height was borderline top 10 in the NBA. And then, you know, the athleticism with the injuries, and that was his game, unfortunately. Um, 
I, you know, I think John Wall was barely top 10 and probably somewhere between 10 and 15 at his best, but Beal was never there. Even when he made third-team All-NBA, there were 15 players that most people would have taken in front of Beal had you had, like, a draft. But uh, but I don't have a problem with him, the person. All right, um, I want to get to your column that you wrote the other day. Uh, I also want to uh, talk a little College World Series which I'm actually excited to watch tonight. We will do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Tommy, tell us about Shelley's. Well, uh, listen, uh, there's a lot of benefits of hanging out at Shelley's, okay? Like I've told you about the staff, how helpful they are uh, for picking the right cigars and, and, and things like that. Uh, you know, if you're looking for the right thing on the menu, and let me just point out today's special on the Shelley's menu, menu includes a mushroom Swiss burger, uh, let me ask you: Do you like uh, like jalapeno? Do you like jalapeno peppers? Yeah. Hot stuff. Yeah. Do. Yeah, and I like well, mushrooms. Well, they have an like El Diablo too. chicken sandwich. Yeah. Huh? And I like mushrooms too. Okay. Well, they have an El Diablo chicken sandwich. All kinds of mushrooms. And a honey mustard salad with chicken. Uh-huh. Those are the specials today with chocolate cake or key lime pie as the dessert. I love key so lime if, pie. So if I convince you to head down to Shelley's tonight to get this something to eat. Uh, that I would have done my job. Uh, what I wanted to point out was Tony, the bartender at Shelley's, uh, the best bartender in town. You don't just get the best, you know, what cigar to smoke. You get t- TV choices to pick from. He gave me a list of about 15 to 20 shows that I should watch. <laughs> And so far, he's one for one. On the Louder uh, He was the one who turned me on to Louder Milk, mm-hmm. which is on Amazon Prime, right. which is absolutely hilarious. I recommend it to anyone. And now I'm watching The Outlaws uh, with Christopher Walken, one of the uh, actors mm. in it. we got to get Chris and, on the show. Uh, one we're enjoying days. that as well. Yeah, we got to get Chris on the show. We have not had him on in so long. One of these days. Well, you know, he's still busy. He's in demand, like with this show. Yeah. I mean, he's still got a tight calendar. Everyone wants a piece of Christopher Walken. Right. They all do. But, uh, you know, he was not fond on the name change at all. He did not like that. Remember, he told us that and and was kind of off there for, for a couple of years, not following the team as much. But I bet he'll be excited about the Snyder sale. By the way, speaking of that sale, um, 
the reports last week of the owners, uh, you know, they're going to vote on this. They're going to ratify Josh Harrison Company on July 20th. Um, it was told to me that that is the ratification date, yes, but the actual closing may happen, you know, a day, two, three later. So they still have to, July 20th, he won't own the team technically because they have to go to closing and the money's got to get wired and all the documents have to be signed. But, you know, sometime like July 21st, 22nd, 23rd in that time frame, it will be finalized and Josh Harris will be the new owner of the team, which will be great. And we can go down to Shelley's and celebrate. Right as training camp is about to start. Right. Um, Okay. Uh, so you wrote a column on Friday, I think it was, or Thursday after, uh, I read it after the podcast, um, you sent it to me and it was titled the mass and deal puts focus back on Leonsis's play for the nationals. And this was, you know, part of the conversation that we had last week about Leonsis and right. whether or not it would be a good thing or a bad thing if he bought the baseball team. Um, my favorite line, which I think is, Really, the, the way people are, think about Ted and the learners in particular is when you wrote, transparent Ted may be the only man in Washington who doesn't want Dan Snyder to sell the commanders. And uh, there's probably some truth in that. You know, yes. I, I'm, I know a, a rising tide lifts all boats, you know, and Ted's talked about that before, but... It has not hurt his franchises over the years that the football team has been so bad and so despised because of the owner. Um, Because, you know, his teams, the Caps primarily, have gotten a lot more attention than maybe they would have had the football team been great during those years and, 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 and owned particularly well. And the other part of that, of course, is that anybody put side by side with Dan Snyder is going to look like you know, yeah. one of the best owners in sports. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think Ted is built to uh, brush off the criticism. He doesn't, oh, yeah. and it's going to be a lot more intense. I mean, this if the owning the baseball team comes at a time if the, if it happens, and again, you know, I mean, the Madison roadblock, it's still intact. It's just part of it is gone. And once you get the rest of it gone, then you still have to negotiate with the learners, okay, which, which is going to be a task unto itself, because I'm sure they think their franchise is worth more now than it was the last time they talked to Ted about selling it. God only knows why. Well, I know why, because the Phillies just got valued at $2.8 million, and the, the Rangers were valued this year at $3 million. Right, $3 billion. So while yeah. the, the national $3 billion, and $2.8 billion. You're right. Uh, while the Nationals are not the Rangers, or, you know, they, they're not in Dallas, they're not in Philly, I'm sure, you know, the learners say, well, we're every bit as important as those franchises. So that, that negotiating with the learners is going to be a task in itself. But uh, if, if Ted is successful at buying the, the baseball team and the baseball team struggles, while the Wizards are going through this painful rebuild, that's a lot on his plate. For a guy who's used to being told, you know, how wonderful he is and what a visionary he is, right? this is going to be a rough time for him. I don't think he's got thick skin. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think. Well, I mean, I, th- I think we've 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 seen that and we've heard that before over the years. Uh, yes, I mean, let's let's face it. We've certainly heard that you know the various people that are employed by him on the air aren't exactly free to say it exactly the way they believe exactly. it. Exactly, um, and yes. so I. Um, I mean, right now, I'll, t- I'll tell you what's just really sad right now is just the state of sports in Washington. Forget the state of ownership, which is changing on the football front, which is going to be great. And I personally, I don't give a shit how it makes Ted or the learners, um, but more likely than not, Ted, because he'll be the other, the only other owner in town of the major uh, pro sports teams. Uh, I don't really care how uh, you know it makes him feel to be compared to actually a legitimate franchise, which will be, and it's always been, the number one story uh, in town. Um, I just look at it right now, and, and there are two ways to look at it. Uh, first of all, it is as bleak as it's been in a long time with the current state of these franchises, the Wizards being awful, the Caps having just missed the playoffs, the Nats in major rebuilding mode, and, you know, the football team being, you know, decent roster-wise, but not a team that's more likely than not going to be a playoff team. I mean, we, we have not had a playoff game to talk about since the Caps were last in the playoffs in the spring of 2022. <laughs> That's how long it's been. I don't want to get. I don't want to disrespect the other teams in town. But again, when we have these conversations, let's be honest and, and big boy uh, about it. We're talking about the four that everybody knows and has real mass appeal, rather than yeah. niche appeal. Um, so, uh, with that said, though, the other way to look at it is the Wizards are finally doing the right thing. The football team is going to say goodbye to Dan Snyder, the best piece of news it's had in 15 to 20 years. Um, The baseball team's rebuild, Mackenzie Gore struck out Juan Soto last night three times, or yesterday three times, and they've got, you know, a young nucleus, which some people believe is two to three years away from contending for a wild card spot, you know, maybe two years from being significantly improved. Um, and the hockey team, probably more likely than not, is the closest to a postseason berth in 2024. You know, they're probably, they were the last team to go to the postseason, and they'll probably be the next team to go to the postseason. Although, really, that franchise, in terms of its long term future, it's hockey. I don't know much about it. And all you got to do is get into the postseason, see Florida here recently, and you've got a chance. But I guess on one hand, it's terrible and it's bleak in the current, but the future looks bright for, you know, at least three of the four teams in town. But, you see, here's the thing. Let's talk about two of them. Let's talk about the basketball team, like you said, are finally seemingly doing the right thing and embarking on this rebuild. And let's talk about the football team, which finally will have an owner that should function as a human being. Okay. Right. Neither of these components means they're going to get it right. I know. I know. We're just talking about, you know, about two organizations that are going to tackle their problems with a level of intelligence. And we don't really know if the football team will. Right. You just think 
you know, they can't be any stupider than the guy they're buying the team from. Right. It can't so, be. And so it won't this be. is just... I mean, this is just they finally got on the on the right road. That doesn't mean they're going to reach the end. Doesn't mean they're not going to run out of gas or crash along the way. So, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of like just just I mean, it's the beginning. You're you're you've been behind. You've been behind the starting line, and now you're finally at the starting line. The race hasn't even started yet. I understand that. I understand. It. I'm just saying that there is reason for optimism as it relates to the football. Look, the football franchise is going to be more normal than it's been in a quarter century. If it doesn't yes. compete for Super Bowls or consistent playoff appearances, it's still going to be better off than it's been. It would be impossible yes. for it not to be. Um, the it's basketball team is entering into a phase here where there's no guarantee that it, that the outcome will be super positive, but there is a chance for it to be where there wasn't a chance the way they were doing it. And it does look like the baseball team may have some foundation to build upon. And by the way, and we'll get to this in a moment, maybe a superstar young drafted pitcher to build around as well. Um, but you're right. There are no guarantees of anything. But man, it's um, it's not a it's not a great sports town right now. That's for sure. But that leads me yeah. to to two more things that I want to talk about before the end of the show because I don't want to forget these things. Um, Antonio Gibson um, Instagrammed out uh, a picture of himself walking out onto FedEx Field, and he wrote the following: "There should be no excuse for the fans to pop out now." And y'all know what I mean, all right? Basically, oh yeah, y'all, y'all know what he means. You fans, you, <laughs> you better be back now that old that that you got your wish and Dan's gone. I was, you know, I haven't heard any data on this. I I I know they've increased ticket sales since this became much more of a thing that was going to happen. Dan selling. But do you think do you think that they're going to draw they're going to draw better? They can't they can't draw any worse. They they really can't. I thought when the schedule came out, there's no way they're not going to sell out the opener against Arizona. They've got to sell out that opener against Arizona. It's a celebration. It's a celebration of of Dan being gone. That's when the celebration should really happen against the Cardinals on September 10th. I I would tend to agree with you. Uh, this is why that opener against the Cardinals may be one of the most important games they've played in a while. They can't lose to the Cardinals well, at they, home. They could lose. But they can't. <laughs> what a horrible way to start against a team that the whole world will think you'll be able to beat. Yeah, they're one of the biggest favorites in week one. The Cardinals are universally picked to finish last. Yeah. Um, So you can't lose that game. See, this is in part why I said Jacoby Brissett will be the starter week one. I realize that's a long shot pick, and that's not likely to come true. But if that game is so important for them to win, they can't use a quarterback with training wheels. 
Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But we got we got plenty of time to see what happens the rest of the summer. I, I did want to ask you real quickly. Did you you did see that report on Friday about monumental sports and entertainment considering moving to Northern Virginia, which would include the Caps and the Wizards moving, right? Because they want the city yeah. to pay for Capital One Arena um, upgrades, improvements, improvements. Yeah. yeah, they're not moving from DC. No way. No, I don't think they are, but they, you know, they, they need leverage. But here's a possible scenario. Okay. Uh, you know, the commanders don't wind up building their stadium in town and go to Maryland, and the Wizards and Caps move to Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. And they're not talking about moving to Loudoun County, they're talking about moving. Wow, in Tyson's Corner area, well, right? No, it's Arlington. It's where the new Amazon, um, okay. you know, headquarters okay. are. So, so they're not. It's not like the commanders talking about moving out to Loudoun County, right? Okay, they're just they're going to be real close inside the belt. Okay, yes, yes. So, uh, while I don't think that'll happen, uh, the city can't afford to be arrogant about it because they can wind up. Not having two teams, three teams: the basketball team, the hockey team, and the football team. I don't know what they're going to do with the football team, because from what I've heard, the Josh Harris group—they have zero money for a stadium. None. You've heard that? Yes. Um, two more things, real quickly. One is that it looks like the Jets are going to get hard knocks. All right, um, boys and girls, not Washington. That made sense right from the beginning. The Jets don't want it, they, but they, they don't have a choice. <clears throat> They're one of the four teams that can't say no. Washington's one of those four teams as well. But Aaron Rodgers being in New York, I mean, that's what most football fans would rather watch rather than an ownership change. That's not really – that's what we care about, but it's not what an NFL fan necessarily cares about. Um, and then I, I agree. And then, I mean, I think that uh, I've said that if you're a major sports uh, media organization, you should have an Aaron Rodgers reporter in New York just to cover Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Well, they they'll they'll be loaded there when when training camp begins for sure. Um, and then lastly, are you going to watch the Florida LSU College World Series Game Three final tonight? I hadn't planned on it. <laughs> well, I mean, you being a baseball person, um, apparently this has been a great World Series. Apparently the, the LSU-Wake Forest game was an all-time college baseball game. Um, but it's this Paul Skeens who the the Nats may have the chance to draft next month, early next month in the MLB draft, yes. that is the best pitching prospect since – uh, Strasburg. Now, it's unlikely that he'll get the start tonight on three days rest, but they'll have him more likely than not coming out of the bullpen. And Dylan Cruz also plays for LSU, and he's considered to be the number one or number two pick. The Nats are going to end up with one of these two players at number two overall. And I had a guy on radio this morning, uh, this guy Roy Philpot from ESPN, who's been covering and calling games at the uh, College World Series, who said he thinks Skeens, if he's if he's drafted, what, whichever team, Pittsburgh or Washington, that picks him, that he'll be pitching before the end of this year. He's that good. Wow. 
So can we schedule the Tommy John surgery now and get it over with? Well, that's the concern is he's pitched so many innings here during this College World Series, and his, his last start was on short rest. And so if you're a Nats fan, you want to see him pitch maybe, but you don't want to see him pitch and risk the arm on a second straight short day rest appearance. LSU won game two, 24 to four. Oh, there was another story associated with this. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see the Jello shot uh, story? Denton, no, I didn't. Denton made me aware of this. So this bar in Omaha, right across the street, I guess, from the stadium, the bar is actually called Rocco's Canteen or something like that. Really? And, yeah. Every year they hold a Jello shot challenge. $5 Jello shots. And you come up and you order a Jello shot and you – Tell them which team you're there rooting for of the of the eight teams that make it to Omaha, and then there's a running count and a board of the running count of how many Jello shots each team has ordered. And one dollar of the five dollar shot um, goes to um, some charity for each of the schools. Anyway, last year Ole Miss apparently set the mark with I think it was seventeen thousand shots, which shattered the previous mark. Well, right now, LSU's at 46,000 jello shots during this College World Series. You do know what a jello shot is, right? Yes. Okay. Because I'm wondering if, you know, this was a part of your um, younger years. Did you have jello shots at no, the University it, of Miami? Did not have jello shots <laughs> at the University of Miami then. Okay. No. We had Jello shots. I think maybe the last time I did a Jello shot was twenty years ago. Jello shots, by the way, went down very easy, and then knocked you out pretty quickly. Um, but forty-six thousand, and like the next closest was like eight thousand. Those LSU people well, Louis, aren't fooling around. Louis, yeah, Louisiana. They're professionals. They're pro- they're pros. Okay. They're they're pros. Yeah. All right, um, we've gone long today, uh, but it was very good. You did an excellent job. You'll be back with me on Wednesday, and tomorrow Howard Gutman will be on the show. Can't wait for that. Do you have anything else to add to the show? You've done so well. What are you going to talk to Howard Gutman about? I'm going to talk about his you know, Hollywood acquaintances and friends, and I'm going to say to him, will you give Tommy a meeting so he can pitch you on his screenplay? and see if you know anybody that he can take it to. All right, boss. Now, I don't know. Do you do you want him to sign a non-disclosure before that meeting? No. Okay. No, no, no. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> what are you kidding me? Look at I bought I'm 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 playing the lottery here. I bought two tickets to the lottery. That's what I'm doing here. All right. Um I'll talk to you later. I'll be back tomorrow with Howard. All right, boss. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-Month Emergency Food Kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. 
My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com